time for the Mad Dog Show. Coming to you live from the Park Group studio in the heart of the Bulldog Nation. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Sanford Company, Fincher's Barbecue, Sellers Construction, Go Clean Co., Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Jay Lee Attorney at Law, Ortho Georgia, Pelicano Construction, Jags Pizzeria and Pub, Bib Distributing, The Butler Auto Group, The Park Group, Corporate Connection, The Dog Bone, and Bulldog Illustrated. Now, here he is, your host, The Mad Dog. Welcome back to the Mailman for Heisman Headquarters. The campaign is steadily, but way too slowly, gaining traction. Paul Feinbaum now finally has Stetson in his top four, but even Paul can't figure out why that a national championship winning quarterback who has followed that natty up with the undefeated team who is number one in all the land is not only not the front runner, he's not even in it. Nobody can figure it out, but I figured it out and I'm about to explain it to you and I'm going to break it down so that you get it. So let's talk about Paul's other three Heisman candidates. First is Hendon Hooker, our tenacious D curb stop hooker. Shut him completely down. Not a Heisman contender, a pretender. Game over. Next is Blake Corum, Michigan running back, and C.J. Stroud, the quarterback for Ohio State. And I lump those two together because they're both in the Big Ten, which should be called the Tiny Ten because it is a very, very average conference, a very lackluster conference. And neither of those two guys between them have an iconic Heisman moment. Neither one of them. Nothing. Nada. Zilch. Don't, don't believe me? Try and think of one. Can you think of one? Can you think of a Heisman moment that Blake Corum or C.J. Stroud has had? You can't because they don't exist. And Stetson has had a Heisman moment every game that he's played in. Think about it. His TD run against Mississippi State, ankles broken, jockstrap on the ground. It was nasty. His TD run against Tennessee, it was gutsy. His 75-yard run up the middle against, I don't even remember who it was, maybe it was Auburn, it was ballsy. So he hasn't had one Heisman moment. He's had at least one per game. And it also, in five games this year, he's also passed for one and rushed for one, and he's the only quarterback that's done that. And by the way, being the best running back in the Big Ten is kind of like me claiming to be the fastest guy in making. And if you didn't know any better, you might look at me and go, wow, that's incredible, Mad Dog. You're the fastest guy in making. But then you'd look at me and you'd say, wait a minute, you're 52 years old and you're Asian, you're Caucasian, 52 year old men, generally speaking, 52 year old white men are not fast. They're not fleet of feet, but oh no, I would say I've, I'm undefeated. I I've beaten all of my competition. Here's who I've beaten in my conference. I've beaten Carlisle and central and Southwest and Payne city and Bibb County and Macon. And then you would say, wow, that's awesome. I guess you are th the fastest guy in making. But wait a minute. No, 
give me the full names of those teams. And then I would be forced to sheepishly admit that the teams that I have beaten are the Carlisle Nursing Home, the Southwest Chess Club, the Central Marching Band, the Payne City Debate Club, the Bibb County All-Star Cheerleaders, and the Macon Mental Institute. But I'm undefeated. I'm the fastest. You can't deny that. You can't deny that I'm the fastest turtle or that I'm the speediest snail or that I'm the quickest sloth. <laughs> I'm merely the fastest because my competition is pitiful at best. And that's offensive to the word pitiful. And that's what it's like to be the best running back or the best quarterback in the Big Ten. You have zero credibility. Your stats are meaningless. So let me say this one more time for those of you in the back. Your level of competition matters. Not some, not a little. It matters a lot. In fact, it's the only thing that matters. And even ESPN's own Desmond Howard, when he was talking about Ohio State, said, and I quote, Ohio State is okay until they play a team with a pulse and then they struggle. And Desmond Howard won a Heisman Trophy, so I think he knows what he's talking about. And so by the time the Heisman is awarded this year, Stetson Bennett will have compiled a record over the past two years of 26-1 and one in the SE freaking C, in the undisputed best conference in the world. And those wins include wins in a playoff, and it includes winning a natty. And he will have a natty victory in the rearview mirror and one in the windshield. So if C.J. Stroud had done that, if C.J. Stroud had won a natty last year and had gone undefeated in the SEC, everyone in the media will be hailing him as the Messiah of college football, the second coming of you-know-who. Behold, the rapture has started. Let us crown C.J. the king, for he has thrown another TD pass against 1-9 Northwestern, except he didn't even do that. He didn't throw a single touchdown against Northwestern. Now, why is that? Why is it that the mainstream media won't give Stetson his due? I'll tell you why. I cracked the code, and it's real simple. It's Georgia jealousy. Why? Because we have the best of everything, and we are the best at everything. We have the best uniforms in college football, and it's not even close. We have the best college town in Athens, and that's not even close. We have the best coaches led by CKS, and that's not even remotely close. We have the best home field advantage with Sanford Stadium at Dooley Field, and we proved that to the world with the loudest stadium ever. We have beaches. What do you got, Ohio? What you got up there? Uh, mountains. We have mountains. What do you got, Michigan? You got any mountains up there? Um, we grow the best blueberries and peaches and watermelons and peanuts. We lead the country in timber production. We build houses. You don't have houses without us. We look better than you. We dress better than you. We have the best of everything. Ah, let me just pick something out of there. How about this? How about music? We'll, we'll start with music. And that's not even a fair fight because we've got the Allman Brothers and we've got REM and the Black Crows and Government Mule and Widespread Panic and Ray Charles and Gladys Knight and Outkast and Jason Aldean, Travis Tritt, Luke Bryan, Ludacris, T.I., TLC, Zach Brown, the B-52s, All Good, White Buffalo, the Grapes, Colonel Bruce Hampton and the Aquarium Rescue Unit. What? We got Trisha Yearwood. We got Cole Swindell, Brantley Gilbert, Otis Redding, Little Richard, Percy Sledge, and last but certainly not least, we got James Brown. 
What you got, Ohio? What do you got, Michigan? You're not respecting the G, and you need to start respecting the G. It stands for Georgia, and it might as well stand for gangsta, because we will not be taken lightly, and we're not going to be ignored, Dan. So, jealousy. The reason the media tries to ignore the dogs, and specifically SFB4, Stoquavius, a.k.a. Stetson Bennett, and his swagger factor. He's got the swagger, and now we got the swagger, and he's always had it and always will. And for all the reasons I've already named and a bunch more, too many to name, all everybody else can do at all of us is flex. That's it. That's all they got. Sad, empty, meaningless flexes into only a mirror. And now our on-the-field results have caught up with our off-the-field swagger. And the mainstream sports media is simply jealous of our success, and they are offended by our swagger, and it's that simple. And in our defense, we're not snobs. We're just better than you. And I could go all night talking about this. So please just do me a favor and make this rant go viral. Post it anywhere you want to. Post it on the bathroom wall at work where some idiot there is going to go, who's the mailman? Well, that would be Stoquavius. Is that a gangster? No, he is the gangster. He's the elephant slayer. He's the gator gigger. He's the winner of natties. And he's the only gangster in this Heisman race who can pass who can run, who can hold field goals, and who can fake field goals. The gangster who never loses. All he does is win, no matter what. And the name of that gangster is Stetson Fleming Bennett the fourth, And he has earned the Heisman Trophy, and he deserves the Heisman Trophy. And if he doesn't win it, then it simply no longer has any meaning. They should just quit giving it out. So there's that. G envy and the swagger factor is why Stetson isn't getting his due. And the only cure is not more cowbell. It's more swagger. So put your head back and your chin out. Poke your chest out farther and beat it louder because we're champions and you ain't. So to the Heisman voters who get that, I'd like to thank you in advance. And to the ones who are spiteful and jealous who don't get it, please eat a big bag of rocks. Now, moving right along, the Dogs win the SEC East with little fanfare, I would like to add. Why? I'll tell you why, and I told you why last week. It's because the expectations are so high for us now because they were set by our fearless leader, Kirby Smart, that that's just what we expect now. But. We should talk about the game a little bit. It had a very weird vibe in a weird town with weird people doing weird things led by a weird coach. And there's nothing wrong with weird, but, you know, when you got rednecks banging cowbells when their mascot is a dog, it just makes absolutely no sense. And the fact that those people doing that's leader is Mike Leach makes perfect sense. That's exactly the kind of eccentric thing he would ask them to do if they weren't already doing it. And his halftime remarks were priceless. They're the kind of remarks that would be considered brusque from anybody but him. And, you know, because they came from him, they were just delightful. I mean, the the, the, uh, broadcaster interviewing him, uh, Molly McGrath, she loved it. And, And another weird thing that happened was our offense, not just 
running the clock out at the end of the first half. We ran three straight plays, trying to move the ball down the field, I guess, to get a field goal. And it was three and out. And so instead of running out the clock, we kicked the ball to them and they ran a punt back for a touchdown. And I love it that we're in a place now where that's the worst thing that has happened to us. Not, not just in this game, but like in the last five games, that's literally like the worst thing that's, that's happened. And remember earlier in the year when Lad McConkey got a little case of the drops and everybody was riding him, everybody was getting mad at him. And I told you just to stop and have patience. This is a young college athlete. I said, we're going to need him. Go back and review the tape. I said it, and I was right again, as usual, because the same kid who was 152 ranked, 152nd ranked wide receiver in the class of 2020, who only had two offers, one from Georgia and one from Vandy, just absolutely lit them up. And by the way, Stetson said, yeah, he had two offers from Georgia and Vandy, but that's two more than I had. McConkey led the team in rushing with 70 yards and a TD. He led the team in receptions with about 71 yards, uh, five catches and a touchdown. And finally, Darnell Washington got a touchdown. First one of the year, second one total. How in the world that this giant only has two touchdowns? I don't know. I can't figure it out. But I suspect that throughout the rest of this year, that's going to change. Just a suspicion that I have. So now let's talk about the defense. You know that defense, the one we're rebuilding. Um, rebuilding because we lost five dudes in the first round, so on and so forth. Well, as of last week, they ranked number one in the country in red zone touchdown percentage. And if you want to compare them this year and last year, this year's team is allowing 10.8 points a game. Last year's team was allowing only 10.2, so 0.6 difference. I don't know about you, but I was one of the ones saying they had to be at least a touchdown worse. Some people were saying 10 points. I think Pollock said 10 points. No measurable difference. This year, we're allowing 266 yards a game. Last year, it was 269. This year, we're allowing 4.2 yards a play. Last year, it was 4.5. This year, our red zone percentage is 28%. Last year, 29%, which is, you know, not too bad for a rebuilding year. And to a large extent, it's a no-name defense other than Jalen Carter. I mean, yeah, we know the names because we're rabid dogs and, you know, we know, you know, we can name everybody. Ringo, Kamari Lasseter, Malachi Sarge, Christopher Smith, Pops, you name it, we name them. But the rest of the country really doesn't, and that's okay. Because all we care about is their chemistry, and the chemistry that they have is off the charts. They play like a family. They play like a family uh, after Thanksgiving dinner in the backyard playing roughhouse. They don't care who scores or who tackles or who intercepts. They're just happy that it's getting done. Because all that matters to these guys is winning. And that's what Kirby's talking about when he says they play unselfish. They don't care about stats. They don't care who has the touchdowns, who has the most rushes, you know, who has the most tackles, interceptions. All they care about is winning. And speaking of family, and speaking about winning, Jermaine Burton said he transferred to Alabama because he was trying to make the best decision for his family. 
And since Alabama has been eliminated from the SEC championship, he gets an extra week this year to shop for his family's gifts this holiday season. And it's just great to see these decisions pan out the way everyone hoped they would. And I wish I could take credit for that, but that came from Graham Coffee, who put that out there in Twitter land. So great job, Graham. And away we go. The Mad Dog Injury Report with Dr. Ryan Schnetzer. Paging Dr. Schnetzer, what is up? Hey, man, how's it going? Good to be back here on the show. Good to have you back. Uh, I think I texted you. We're going to change this to the A.D. Mitchell watch. Yeah, man, we are, uh, <laughs> you know, it's been it's been a close watch on him. You know, he got back in a little bit and hasn't played, you know, the last couple of games. Um, you know, it's just one of, like, it's one of the things, I think even Kirby said, it's just a nagging injury. It's kind of a pain in the butt with his exact words. Um you know, we'd obviously want to see him get back on the field. You know, it's a, it's a high ankle sprain. You know, it's just going to be when he's comfortable and can get out there and, and uh, do what he needs to do. So, I mean, there's really no news to report there. It's just a wait and see each week. See, is he repping? See, is he running? Can he cut? And then, yep. you know, from there, we kind of make a business decision of, okay, do we want to risk him? That's right. Exactly. So, that answer only gets answered on Saturdays. So yep. if it's if it's Coach Schnetzer and you're looking ahead going, okay, we got the SEC championship game, which will practically be a bye, at what point do you say, I'm giving him a try? Well, I mean, you got to look at, you know, what we got left. You know, we got Kentucky this weekend. We got Tech and we got LSU kind of back-to-back. You know, you certainly – you want to get him out there and let him get some game-time reps before we get to the games that – they're not to say these games don't matter, but understand if we win the next two games, which we are, you know, are going to be heavily favored, as long as, you know, the the wheels just don't fall off against LSU, we're, we're going to be in the playoffs, right? Right. So, but you would like to have him some game time reps before that playoff game. I mean, there's, you know, there's something to be said about getting out there and just getting used to the speed again. I mean, you can practice all you want, but still the speed of the game is just not, you can't really mimic it in practice. And, so, you know, I'd like to see him get out there, uh, maybe against the tech game, get some reps in a little bit, maybe get out there against LSU, get a few reps in and get a little bit. And then you're going to have what you so say, you've got December, what, third or something is the championship game in the first. So you got almost a full month, right? Right. For the first playoff game on, on New Year's Eve. So you got plenty of time to, to let this thing rest. But, you know, he hasn't played in, you know, I think what he got in there for a few reps in the Auburn game. Yeah. And then, so he hadn't played, you know, three or four weeks, you know, continuing to have off. I mean, it's going to be tough to get back out there and, and being full speed in, in the games that are, gonna, that are really going to matter. So, you know, I think they, they would like to get him something in there, but they also don't want to push it where he has a re-injury. So it is kind of a fine line to walk there. But I think we're, we're certainly getting towards the the longer end of these high ankle sprains. So I got to think he's really getting close to being ready to get out there. Yeah, I mean, it's a record for a high ankle sprain. That's going to – anytime anyone gets one in the future, it's going to just strike fear throughout the dog nation. It's, oh, no, a high ankle sprain isn't going to last the entire season. And I know it's a completely different injury than what Pickens had, but it's almost like, you know, on the same path of, yes, you you might be well, but we got to get you back up to game shape, the game speed. Yeah. Do you get him on, you know, a 
pitch count for, and I think last year we did that with him for Tech. We brought him yeah. back a little bit in Tech, a little bit in the SEC championship game, and then a little more and a little more. Yeah, maybe we do just to get him something. You know, just really get him out there, run a few routes, get get some real game time experience. You know, obviously he's played, he's been around for a while. Just get out there and get the speed of the game. Just get some reps with Stetson in there, just to really, you know, you know, receiver quarterback. I mean, it's a, there's a lot of timing in there. I mean, that, you see, right. that's why they work so much together on throwing and running routes just against the air, just to get the timing down. So, and you know, you just can't mimic that speed and that adrenaline you're going to get in the game. There's just no way to get that in practice. Um, so I think maybe they do. Maybe they get him out there five to ten plays. Just let him get some in. And beyond that, I don't I don't know of any injuries. So I'm relying on you. Are there any other injuries I out think, there? You know, I think Bullard came got hurt, had a little like a thigh, they called it a, a lower extremity contusion. He came back in the game, then they pulled him back out. But I think he's still, you know, I think he'd do very likely to play. I don't think it's anything significant from what I from what I what I've heard. Right. Uh, otherwise, that's really it. You know, you know, knock on wood, we've we've had We've been doing very, very well on the injury injury front this year. Um, and I think that goes back to some of our, you know, our athletic trainers there that really work with these guys, the strength and conditioning staff. I mean, these guys are in good shape. I mean, and when you're in good shape and you're able to, to maintain, you know, your cardiovascular state, you're not getting slow, you're not getting uh, beat up, you know, you can, uh, you can kind of fend off some of these injuries. Yeah, so, I mean, once the season actually started, we've only lost – one guy out for the year with Nolan. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty rare. It is. It is very, it is very much. You have really done your job here this year. You have done a fine job. I'll take all the credit. I'll take all the credit. You've been the good luck charm on yeah. the injury side of things for the entire year. Um, you going to the Kentucky game? No, no. I'm going to I'm gonna hang around in town this weekend. You know, it's a, you know, it's, it's a great place to go, you know, get up to Bluegrass State, get up there. Um, it was really nice when it was earlier in the year. Uh, watch a little horse racing, but now it's kind of later. I think most of that's done. They've probably even had some, maybe had a first snow up there recently. I don't know. No, not much further up than that. They've had some snow already. So, um, but no, not, not heading up there for this one. Yeah, you're right. This being later in the year and it takes kind of the uh, allure out of it, uh, going up there and freezing your tail off. Because uh, yeah. at game time, it's going to be, you know, around freezing. And I watched a little bit of the Vandy debacle last week and it did not look like fun. Yeah, no, it's definitely getting cold up there. Uh, so, you know, these guys, you know, they got some stuff. They're, they're going to be in for a little bit of a shock uh, at start. But, you know, they get moving around. They get going pretty quick. That cold really doesn't affect you as much at that at that temperature. Now, it can get down, you know, when you get some of those Green Bay ice games, it can affect you then a lot more than just, a, a, you know, a freezing. Uh, I mean, running around, I'm sure they're going to have the long jackets on. And, uh, you know, stay moving is the main thing. Yeah. Two more games to think about the weather, and then after that, it's done. Yeah, because so uh, what, both games, both playoffs. Obviously, ho hopefully we win. We're in the duck, but both the playoff games are indoors, and then the uh, SoFi. Now SoFi is covered on top, but open on the sides. If I'm correct, right? But it's right. Like it's indoors, so yeah. you got warm weather year round. Pretty much. You're in LA, so it's almost irrelevant. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, so we make it through these these two. You know, and the main thing here, I mean, we've locked up the East. You know, obviously we want to keep people in playing shape, but we, you know, the main thing, we just win the game and don't, don't let anybody get hurt. Exactly. So I'm going to keep keep, uh, keep doing what I'm doing, Dave, keep everybody off the uh, out of the uh, training room, uh, keep them on the field. There you go. Keep up the good work, Dr. Snesser. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you to you and to Ortho, Georgia.
Let's go in the basement with Buffalo. Buffalo is with us. What's up? Mad Dog. Good to see you again. It's that time of week. It is that time of week. And here we sit at yes, 10, 10 and 0 SEC East champs, and nobody even seems to care. It's just expected. That's exactly right. That was uh, 10 and 0. I'm very excited about it. You know, I, this team, the expectations I've had the night before the Oregon game to now, they're, they've exceeded those for me. I, this team is special, and, and I'm, I knew we were going to be good, but I'm really excited about what's to come and how they've been playing. Yeah, you know, I'm like you. With everybody we lost last year, you're kind of – you're cautiously optimistic because you know we got all these five stars coming in to replace them. You know we got all-star coaches. But it's like you got to see it to believe it. And, of course, obviously after that first game, we were, we were believing. We had some hiccups in there. And then you get to the Tennessee game, and it's almost like I almost bought into the hype of these guys are going to come in and do what they've been doing all year. And then we just absolutely imposed our will on them. And so, you know, you worry about Mississippi State and the letdown, and we went out there and took care of business. And so here we are looking at Kentucky, which was a game at the beginning of the year that we thought would be, you know, a huge hurdle. And then they've fallen apart completely. The wheels have come off, and they give Vandy their first SEC win in like 23 games. It's crazy. Yeah. I think Vanderbilt lost 29 straight. Was it 29? Okay. So that's a dubious distinction for for Kentucky to be wearing that. Therefore, I think they're probably going to play a little – they're going to come out trying to prove that they're actually a football team. But even if they play wet worlds better than they did last week, I just, I just hope we just kind of get on them early like we kind of can do to teams. And it's going to be cold up there. I think it's going to be below freezing by – by the second half and kind of take their fans out of it and just kind of coast home in a healthy fashion and get ready for the big tilt against for, for good old fashioned hate. <laughs> right. Let's get through this and, uh, you know, be good. I, I want to talk a little bit about the Mississippi state game. Uh, I want to give out a couple of game balls and not obvious game. I mean, lad, everybody saw all that, but, I'd like to give Kiaris Jackson a game ball. Absolutely. He's been he's been blocking well all year, but but he kind of got rewarded and, and he and he got off. And that that uh that catch, I I've always been a big fan of his and I, I'm so glad to see him coming in. I think he's just gonna, you know, add to us with his receiving abilities as we as we go through. Couldn't agree more. Middle Georgia guy. Yeah, good, good, tough guy. And I'd also Kwame Lassiter's tackle on that fourth down. Oh, I know we missed a few tackles. I missed a tackle on the punt return, and we missed a couple of tackles. The, the guy did the curly shuffle that time in the third, in the third <laughs> or fourth quarter, where he went way left and he came back around right. And we're gonna miss a few tackles every now and then, but that tackle on fourth down was is definitive and kind of kind of summed up this team. He has really come on this year quietly and and, to, and just really starting to make his presence known. Maybe it's because I've been trying to focus on him more, but he is absolutely rock solid over there. And thankfully, what, a sophomore? Or a redshirt freshman? Yeah. I always, yeah. Regardless, he's two years in, which is the way we got to look at it with these corners. 
Um, yeah. We're going to get him back next year. And, and I, you can watch him play. He plays with a lot of confidence. A lot of confidence. It's, it's, I was nervous this year coming in. I mean, you know, Kendrick did such a good job for us last year. And I was like, I don't know, you know. And, and this guy has stepped in. And, and, and our, our DBs just – they're shocking to me that, that, we're, that we're playing this well. The, you know, we kind of expected it with with Ringo, but at the same time, you know, there were times last year where he wasn't looking like an all star. You know, everybody just remembers the interception, but there were there were balls that he missed, which you know it was his first real year playing, and and this year, you know, people for whatever reason have not been afraid to throw it his way, and you know he's also steadily improved. He has. Um, and to the point where I, you know, I look at our secondary as a strength. I mean, you got Starks, you got Christopher Smith, Lasseter, and Ringo. I mean, that's a stout back end. That is, that is, it's, it's, it's a big strength. It's, it's, it could be, I don't know, it almost could be the strength. Yeah. Of the defense, uh, if, you, if you look at it. Um, and let's see, what else do I want to, oh, and I want to mention uh, the big O getting his first touchdown. Yes. Thank goodness. I've been waiting for that all year. It seems like he's been so close so many times and it's something happened. The throw was high or this or that. But, man, he, he – uh, what a play. They, I think they swung Bowers out to the right and kind of got people interested in him, and then they forgot about the biggest guy on the field. It was, it was a thing of beauty. And kind yeah. of what we've been talking about all, waiting for all year with, with the double tight end set, like how do you do it? I, I got – I gotta believe that we're gonna pick up steam with him as we move into the back end of the year. I think I mean, so. It just, how, there's just no, how can you not? I mean, you throw the ball to him in the end zone, and it, he almost doesn't even have to jump. <laughs> you know. I know it's, it seems like unfair. The way he, <laughs> I mean, you saw that picture with him. Didn't you see the picture with him and with Lad in front of him? With Ladd at school. Yes, yes, yes. Did you see that? Yeah. I mean, see how big he is? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, Ladd was like half his size. It was almost like a – it looked like a camera trick. Because yeah, they, so they, much they got Ladd at 6'0". Maybe Ladd's not six feet tall. Maybe that's a little fudge. I don't know. But if, if he's six feet tall and, and then you look at – you look at the big O, I mean, it was like seven foot eight. Yeah. What did you think of uh, the Pirates' halftime comments? Oh, well, yeah, the Pirate, yeah. Well, you know, he's always got, he runs a, a, a comedy act. Uh, you know, he, he likes, to, I don't know if he wants to be a, a football coach or a comedian. I mean, I think he's probably a pretty good comedian. You know, I, 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 I could see where he had a little bit of a beef, but hey, Later, it, it came out uh, the, the the roughing the punter. I don't. We didn't touch the guy, so he got something back there. Yeah. So I understand his frustration, I guess, a little bit. But what what am I going to do about it? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I do feel like we were getting some calls, and we normally, and I don't feel bad about it because we never get calls. Um, yeah. So I I could see why he was perturbed. But, um, you know, even if they've gotten every call, the outcome of that game wasn't going to change. No. I mean, the strip on – the strip on uh, 
that they had and and it looked like it might have been a strip but i guess they called for progress which is good for us yeah um, but then you know maybe they had a pass interference that was we had a pass interference that called on us that i didn't agree with so and the fake punt helped them quite a bit yeah uh because i think i think they ended up did they score a touchdown that drive they, they kind of was that did that end up being their drive that they kind of actually scored a touchdown I, I, I think so. That game was just – the whole game was just weird. It had a weird feel. It, it, our guys were having so much fun. They were so loose that it was like a scrimmage feel almost or a G-Day feel. Yeah, it sure was. It, it, it was a little strange. I mean, it got tight on the, the, the clock management. What we did at the end of the first half was a little bit weird for us, but you can't be perfect all the time. And even the coaches can't be, and I think they 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 realize they kind of messed that up. I, I, I'm sure you were wondering what we were doing there. Thought we'd run it three times and just go to halftime, but we decided not to. And and then with a bad punt, that was a bad punt. And then we our first man missed it. It was over on that punt return. But yeah, I I think the thought was let's at least get a field goal, get a two touchdown lead. If we don't get it, we trust the defense to be able to stop them, and didn't dream that they'd run a punt back on us. Yeah, first one in the decade. What? I don't think we've I don't think we've we've let a punt return on us in a decade. Wow. I didn't That's know what that. I, heard. I, I, I did haven't not gone back that. and but I saw that on something and I trust that they knew what they were talking about. Um so if if that that might be the first punt return Kirby's team's ever allowed for us for a touchdown. Huh. I tell you another thing I did like. I like seeing Milton finally kind of get back into some kind of groove. Yeah. Get a, get a touchdown, get some confidence. Because he just, he's just, even since coming back from the injury, it's like for whatever reason, every time it's like three yards in a cloud of dust. He can never, you know, bust anything. So that was great. That was. It was good to see him get a long run. I mean, that was, that was one of the, that might, is that the longest run from a running back? For a touchdown this year, I know Bowers and Ladd got longer ones, but I'm not sure that might be the longest running back touchdown I, I can remember. Yeah, you got Ladd, Bowers, and Stetson all have runs for over 70 yards. So you're yeah. right for the for a pure running back, that may be the longest one. Yeah, you're, just, you're full of good stats. Well, I don't know if they're correct or not. It's just coming out of my head. So they, <laughs> somebody might say, that guy's an idiot. But right or wrong, they're good. <laughs> I'll sell them. Yeah. One thing I want to talk about real quick was I was talking to my good friend, Jeff Gerard, and he was, we were talking on Sunday night and he's like, how are we doing this? Winning almost winning 90% of our games or more so comfortably yet as it stands now, we have a minus two turnover ratio. You usually don't see that. Mm -hmm. So we were wondering how how is that possible, and I just I attribute it to to the tackling that we do has to make up for the turnover differential because we're holding people back so much with with excellent tackling and, and being in the right positions that we don't need to get turnovers as much as almost every other team you've ever watched. I think you're dead on. You're absolutely right, and that just feeds right over into you know, not allowing the other team to score. You know, we're, we've got virtually the same points allowed per game as the historic defense last year, which is astounding. It is. I, I would have never, I mean, 
What did you think? Ten, ten more points a game? I said a, I said a touchdown. I said okay, a touchdown. touchdown. I was thinking a touchdown to ten. And they continue to amaze. And I guess it's, it's just the machine now just – cranking them out i think after and then i th- hopefully we're saying this three years you know two years from now we're like oh look at these guys they're still doing it so it, it seems like a kind of a systemic thing almost rather than you know you, you catch these guys up and they're all really good players to begin with and and they can they can just kind of keep it going well i mean you're again you're right because when you've got the leader of your defense nolan smith is out the yeah. game the game before you go out against the number one team in the country and everybody's wringing their hands who are going to put in who are going to put in and you know you, you just plug in Chaz Chambliss and whoever else and everybody just forgets that he's gone because there's just no difference there's no drop off exactly and his injury and we're all you know as far as injuries go it, it actually came at a good time because Jalen Carter got healthy about the time we lost Nolan. So he is really making it a whole lot better on those guys by caving in the middle of the the offensive line of the other teams. Um, and, the, and it kind of makes it easier on all the other guys, I think. And uh, the silver lining also is all these younger guys getting all this meaningful playing time that is just – you can't substitute for that. It's, it's invaluable. Well, it's a luxury and, that we got, and, the, and, it, and that just sets up for next year. It's 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 a great thing. I mean, I, I can't believe what's happened to this program. <laughs> Game out of 29, 28 and one, uh, greatest twenty nine game stretch in the history of the school. It's, it's mind boggling, and I think people are getting. Sometimes people are oh, I've, I've watched some uh, I watched some some highlights and, and on YouTube with different people reacting and. They're like, oh, I see a few chinks here in Georgia, you know, a few missed tackles we had the other night or a player. Man, we can't be perfect the whole – I mean, the other team's got good players too, and they work all week trying to beat us. They're going to – sometimes somebody's going to make plays on us. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I said earlier, we're at the point now where, like, the biggest thing that people could complain about in the last five games is the fact that we went three and out before halftime, which led to a punt return for a touchdown. That's it. That's all we got. That's you know, or a missed tackle here and there. That's all we could complain about. Yeah, the, the concession lines and the traffic out of Athens might be two more complaints. About the I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> one more. One more thing I want to talk about was you and I have kind of banged on Brian Kelly every now and then through the season. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, it looks like we got our chance now. I cannot wait to bring in the carpetbagger from Notre Dame and show him what Southeastern Conference football is all about. Because I don't feel like he's gotten a real taste this year. You know, he, he got lucky in my mind against Alabama. He 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 got a taste of it against Tennessee, although I think if that game's at night, it's a different game. You know, it was 11 o'clock kick. Right. And, and you know, they, they just weren't prepared. They're not built to stop Tennessee. So they're a little bit living in la-la land. Um, you know, Florida's getting beat by Florida State's just embarrassing. Everybody's, you know, forgotten that by now. The media, right? Yeah, I watched because you know they're in love with Brian Kelly because he came from Notre Dame. Exactly. But exactly. I mean, what's the early line? Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, I think I, I just cannot see us not destroying them. 
The only way it's if, if for some way Daniels is able to just get loose and we can't contain him. And I got to believe we got a plan for that. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, you know, Perkins is good. Really good. The freshman, man, I, I watched him the other day. He's, he's a scary guy, but I like the fact they have two freshman offensive tackles. I think, I think that alone, they better be special in Atlanta or else it's going to be trouble. Oh, I know what I wanted to bring up is, is back to Daniels. And you, you saw this in the game is um, Jalen Carter acting as a spy where he would yeah. call that. I mean, and then, you know, he saw that Rogers wasn't going to run. He's going to try and pass. And it was like he was shot out of a cannon going after him. Yeah. And I was like, what kind of a team has Jalen Carter as a D lineman as the spy? I, know. I saw that for the first time. I was at a party watching the games. I couldn't, you know how that is. Oh, yeah. But then when I came back and started kind of looking into the game, I saw, I'm like, oh, that's got to be the, the, the heaviest spy in the world. Well, I was watching, and I was like, what? I was watching at first. I was like, Jalen Carter's just taking a break on this play. What is he doing? And I was like, wait a minute. He's spying him, and then he took off like he was shot out of a cannon. <laughs> it was incredible. It was. It was really, it was really something to see. It kind of reminded me of just with his speed of um, like when Channing Tindall took off after um, oh, Rice, yeah. you know, in the um, in the Natty. Yeah, right after uh, right after the Kobe had gotten all over him about a thing he'd done wrong, and then right, he, yeah, exactly. That was amazing. Channing, what's, yeah. What what is Channing doing right now on Sundays? I don't have. I don't know. I clue. think he's a special teams guy. I, I hadn't looked those guys up in a while. I, I looked. Uh, uh, about a few weeks ago, I checked them all out, and all of them are playing special teams. And then, you know, a lot of them. But I, I think Channing is probably doing some special teams work. But I haven't checked on him the last month or so. Right. Trayvon's still showing out? Yeah, I think he's doing pretty good. Jacksonville's kind of backed off a little bit. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I think he's work I think they're happy with their pick. Yeah, I think they are too. I, was, I passed through. I was working in LaGrange. I passed through Thomaston today. And I've been slowly chipping away while trying to get Ch Trayvon on the show. And somehow I got his dad's number. And he keeps All telling right. me, he keeps telling me that Trayvon's coming on. So I'm not going to say his first name. I just said, Mr. Walker, I'm coming through Thomaston. Just wanted to make sure Trayvon's not here. I'll whip in there and do a quick interview. All I need is five minutes. I don't, I don't know. Well, that's good. I don't, I don't know if they've had their off week yet. Maybe we need to look at that. That might be your end right there. He's not working much. Oh, I can whip on over to Thomaston in 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah. That would be a great interview. Oh, I would love a really that. good guy. Oh, from a great guy who's probably 23 and looks like he's 33. Like a lot of Georgia players always just look like they're so much older. Yeah. <laughs> they're developed. They're fully. Remember the old cartoon He-Man? That guy yeah. was all beefed up. Yeah. Kind of like E-Man. Exactly. Grown-ass men. <laughs> well, um, if you don't have anything else, maybe we should uh, bring on the one known only as Dogger. Let's bring the Dogger on. Mad Dog, Bobber. What's up, Dogger? Hey, Are you both? We're doing great. Go, Dog. Uh, Mad Dog, thanks for having me. 
getting back on. It was a it was a rough week last week. Uh, <laughs> Seems so like you say that every week. No, I've I've been nine and three on this on the supercracker a couple of weeks, but last week was brutal. So I definitely was going through a uh, a post Tennessee hangover. Very glad that uh, the dogs didn't do that against Mississippi State. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was a nice two and ten week last week in the super twelve team cracker. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I need to. I'm going to add up and point. I'll add up how I've done overall in the season. I, I would it may be about five hundred, maybe a little less. I'm not sure. When but, was the uh, last time you? When was the last time you hit on a super cracker twelve teams? Uh, I mad dog. I haven't done a super cracker. I've never. I've never hit on a super cracker 12 team. I never have. Uh, I've hit on a cracker maybe 17. Yeah. And that's probably been 10 years ago. Uh, but yeah, Tahiti I, right now I, if he'd hit on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna keep chasing, I'm gonna keep chasing after it. Just uh, <laughs> the it's always a chase when you're gambling. Um, <laughs> Just to give you, I always like to update by the how, where Georgia finished against Mississippi State or the prior the prior game. So Georgia was sixteen and a half and fifty two. They won obviously forty five nineteen. They covered by nine and a half and it went over by twelve. A lot, a lot of people moved that to the uh, start on the under, thinking the weather was going to be bad, but it didn't turn out to be too bad there in that game. Um, and I heard y'all talking just a minute ago about the early line from the Georgia game. I. 16. I know y'all said 15, and you mentioned the total. Uh, you always got to think about the total. What I'm seeing is 53. Georgia, LSU, 53. Uh, so, tonight, as I mentioned, I'm going to teach y'all about the wheel. The wheel. The wheel. The wheel goes round and round. Uh, so, the way the wheel works, you take, you pick three games, or you can pick as many as you want. But what you do is you take all the, however many games that you pick you take them straight up and then you take them as combinations as crackers slash parlays and then you take the, those games as teasers as well so i'm only in the essence of time i'm just going to do three games all sec related uh and so straight up i'm going to go georgia kentucky under i know the weather like bobber said the weather Weather's gonna be bad. That's not my reasoning for doing that. I just I think we're gonna shut them down. Hopefully, gonna be a low-scoring game. So straight up, Georgia under forty-nine. That's at three thirty, obviously. And then seven o'clock, Tennessee against South Carolina. I'm going over sixty-six. Tennessee's gonna do their best to run up the score, try to impress the uh, pundits that are out there. And then the third one's gonna be seven thirty, Ole Miss versus Arkansas. I take Arkansas at home. Plus two and a half. So those are the three picks. And then what you do on a wheel, you then take, you have to cracker parlay all three of them. So you combine Georgia under 49, Tennessee over 66. Then you combine Georgia under 49, Arkansas plus two and a half. And then Tennessee over 66 and Arkansas plus two and a half. When you parlay all those, if you win all three, you can win 900 on a hundred dollar bet. Or you could lose 330. And then three. So you hold the under 55 because on a two team teaser, you get six points to move either way. So we're going Georgia under 55, 
Tennessee over 60. And then the next one would be Georgia under 55. Or Arkansas plus eight and a half instead of plus two and a half. Or excuse me, minus two and a half. Uh, and then Tennessee over 60 and Arkansas plus six, eight and a half. So in that scenario, it's really a less risky scenario than than betting all three straight up for multiple amounts of money because you can win fifteen hundred bucks or lose nine ninety. But if you go two and one, you could win six seventy and not lose a, a dime. So it's uh, it's just safe. You know, if you're trying to check on a Monday or on a late on a Sunday, trying to trying to get some money back, the wheel the wheel tends to work. You just gotta make sure you don't the wheel the wheel still. Chasing the wheel on a Sunday night sounds, ter- <laughs> sounds terrifying. That's, oh, yeah, believe me, there. Good advice. It, yeah, it's great advice. Good advice. Honestly, good advice to you, college kids out there gambling your parents' money at college. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just teaching them maybe what not to do, but I promise you, I've been there sitting in the chemistry class, night class. Just uh, that's on a Monday night, <laughs> <laughs> trying to uh, try to find some way that to be the system <laughs> Interesting. And i'm gonna go I'll, I'll be real real quickly I'll, I'll continue with the 10 team super cracker and i won't do a uh, 12 team this week i'm gonna go uh, uh florida vandy i'm gonna go florida minus 14 uh tcu minus two and a half against baylor going from baylor plus two and a half mm. wisconsin uh yeah I'm, I'm, i think bobber said it Maybe two or three weeks ago, he said he needs TCU to fall out. I, I really, I would love to see that happen as well. We obviously dominated Texas. I just uh, hoping that does not continue. Um, then we have Wisconsin against Nebraska. Going Wisconsin minus thirteen. Pitt against Duke. Total of fifty on under fifty and a half. Kansas State against West Virginia. Going West Virginia plus seven and a half. Notre Dame, the Irish uh, against Boston College, 45 is a total going under 45. Greg, yeah, the, Irish had, the, the Irish had 12 yards of offense in the second half. I know. I know it. My dad told me all about it. Okay. Got a, yeah, I got a phone call from my dad. I, I wasn't watching the game. Uh, but, yeah, he, he said, can you believe they only had 12 yards of, in the second half? Uh, so, anyway, yeah. Um, that's, maybe that's a good uh, good sign the under unless I don't maybe they'll keep that going. Uh, Texas minus nine against Kansas going Texas minus nine, and Kansas is at home. Auburn, this is a weird line to me. Auburn minus five and a half against Western Kentucky. Yeah, it's, people overthink that one I guess, and maybe take Western Kentucky, which is a pretty good team, but I'm going to stick with Auburn minus five and a half. And then North Carolina, Georgia Tech. I'm going to go with Georgia Tech plus 21, getting fired up for the dogs the following week. And then USC against UCLA, the total is 76. I'm going to go over 76. That's going to be – they may score 100. All right, I got a knuckleball for you. I'm ready. I like knuckleballs. I can hit them. When you look at the – national championship odds of the top teams, let's say top eight. 
Bama has better odds than teams below them. They have better odds than USC and on and on and on. So it's almost like Vegas thinks that there's going to be some sort of collapse. They think that TCU is going to lose. They think that LSU is going to lose. They think that Michigan and Ohio State will sort itself out. Well, they think Ohio State's going to beat Michigan. They think Tennessee is going to win out. And they think there's going to be some sort of funky issue in the ACC so that somehow Alabama slips into that top four. And so if you look at it, think about it this way. We went out. Ohio State beats Michigan bad enough they're not in. TCU loses. Um, USC loses. We beat LSU, so they're out. So now you're left with the two teams there are Tennessee and Alabama or an ACC champion. And it's almost like they're saying it's a coin flip as to whether Alabama is the fourth team over an ACC champion with one loss. I fully agree with you, Mad Dog. I, I, I mean, there's a possibility that I mean, it would be a long shot. A lot of things have to happen before it. But Georgia, uh, Ohio State obviously beats Michigan. And then you could possibly, possibly have Alabama and Tennessee as three and four. Right. I mean, it, which would be. I mean, but that is possible. That's the respect that the SEC gets. Right. Uh, and so, uh, um, obviously, Washington is very upset with the, the ranking that they came out with at 17 after the beating Oregon. But, I mean, that, in my opinion, three three SEC teams, possibly, I would say that's maybe a 30% chance, have a chance to get into the playoffs. That would be absolutely shocking. I'd love it. I just, I just don't think they would pull the trigger. I think they would be scared to do that. You think that they would go ahead and put a one-loss ACC champ in over them? Especially if it's Dabney. If it ends up being North Carolina, I don't, then I'm getting a little bit nervous. But if it's Dabney, they'll put him in. I, I got to disagree with the Bob. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. Notre, Dame just, Notre Dame just whipped up on them. They haven't. They haven't okay. impressed. They haven't impressed. I mean, who have they played? They have, they, yeah, they just, uh, I just. I don't see any quality wins from Clemson. Well, I know that they like Dabo, but but I, I don't know the quarterbacks. Well, the nation, the nation, I guess, except for us, is sick of the SEC, and I think they would love to try to get it bounced around. I know North Carolina or Clemson is right here with us, but. I just think if they put three in there, they might be scared they're going to turn some people off. I think they would try to figure out how to not do that, but that's just my thing. It's their worst nightmare if that happens. And 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 to your point about Dabo, well, maybe it's not Dabo. Maybe it's North Carolina who's ranked. Are they even in the exactly. top ten? Yeah. Are they even in the top ten right now? Uh, I've got it right here, North Carolina. No, Oregon's 12th. They're 13th. Yeah, I was going to say 12th. 13th. Yeah. So if they come at 13 and beat Clemson, then I think that's the scenario that gets Alabama in. That's what I was looking for. And who do they yeah, have? I agree with that. And then obviously North Carolina. NC State play this week. Got North, NC State. North Carolina yeah. plays Georgia Tech. NC okay, State. Georgia Tech and then NC State. Right. And then Clemson. Right. Well, the NC State game, they might they could lose that, but against Louisville. They could. Uh, Corey yeah, is great. 
It's NC at, State's it's minus at home four North Louisville at Louisville. Do you have an NC State line with North Carolina? No, I don't. No. Not yet, yeah. No. Uh, and they're minus four. We're at Louisville this weekend. North Carolina's minus 21 against Tech. You heard it here first on the Mad Dog Show. Bama is not done yet. I won't believe I won't believe they're done till they're done. Nor nor Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's gonna run up the score. They're they're gonna they're gonna continue to try to I mean, obviously Jordan dominated them, but they, they beat Alabama and LSU. So it's gonna be tough. I think they're gonna get in. I think Tennessee's gonna get in. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't, I, don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm backing off here. I just, I hope I've seen the last of Bryce Young, but if we hadn't, let's just go try him again. But I, I'd rather just not deal with him. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with you. I'm not saying nah. I want it. I'm not saying I want it to happen at all. No, I don't want it to happen. But when Vegas is saying yeah. that, the, that the odds are better, for Alabama, way back there than there are teams in front of them, then that's when I start going, what are, what's going on? Yeah, because they're usually right. They're usually right. Yeah, exactly. It, it comes down to the TCU game, pretty much. I mean, and if Michigan beats Ohio State, obviously Michigan jumps in. Can you picture Ohio State staying in the top four if Michigan beats them? I can't. If they beat them close, they'll try to figure out how to do it. Oh, they will. Yeah. They absolutely will. Right. But you've already said this week, um, Dogger, that you like Baylor over TCU. Is that wishful thinking, or do you really think that? Uh, that actually follows a system that I have. So uh-huh. that system, system has a system went two and ten last week. Uh, <laughs> two and ten. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's not wish. I mean, of course, it's wishful thinking, but it does. Baylor at home plus two and a half. The line seems a little low. I. Uh, yeah, came that, I believe they got beat last week, so I don't know. Hopefully they uh, TCU tends to collapse towards the end of the season. Well, see, here's who I want in. I want it to be us one, Ohio State two, TCU three, and USC four. And then I want – obviously I want us to beat USC. I want Ohio State to beat TCU, and then we beat Ohio State and the Natty. That's how I want it to go down. Do you want it – you want it to be those those three and four just from an E standpoint? No, I just for just for a cachet, just for the fact that it's USC and Lincoln Riley. I want to okay. beat them. All right. All right. I mean, I'd take that all day long. I would enjoy that. Yeah, I, I'd love it. USC, I think they should dominate over UCLA after UCLA lost to Arizona. So um, I can't picture USC getting in there. Who does it look like? Well, they're they're going to get in there if they win out. They they absolutely, oh absolutely, okay. a one lost pack of one lost Pac twelve champion. That committee they want that West Coast audience. The Pac twelve, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You give you give them a reason to put them in, and they're all over it. Who does That's TCU true. look like they're going to play in the Big Twelve championship? Yeah, you're right. You're right, and I'm right. Any problem looking Riley and USC? Who, but nobody can answer that question about who TCU. Wait, I didn't hear the question. Who does it look like TCU is going to play in the Big Twelve Championship? 
Uh, Mark is cutting this up for a minute. Um, would it be it's not Kansas, is it? Kansas, maybe, or Kansas State. Didn't Kansas State lose last week? All right, it's hard to cut this up, but I'll look it up real quick. I That's can't. an interesting question. Right. Hey, I'm just with Dr. Schnetzer, man. He was talk he was like, man, just bring whoever put him on the field, we're gonna beat him. Right, absolutely. But so it's, I, I, he was getting me fired up earlier, man. I, oh yeah. I need to beat him sometime. Great guy. You know, he played O line yeah. at Georgia. I know, yeah. David Green he said he was kind of charged up. Yeah, I mean, David Green said he was a beast on the field. He was a snapper. Snapper? No, man, no. He was straight up O-line. I'm not going to tell him he said that. He was the real deal. Are we talking about Schnetzer? He got me fired up. Yes, Schnetzer. I thought he was a long snapper anyway all right i saw him two days ago i thought he was a long snapper no sir no he's not a long snapper but i will be telling him you said that you can <laughs> bet your butt i'm gonna say that no worries that's not no worries i know he won't be operating uh, on your knee <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> he got me fired up like one of those pieces hey. of cheese on that cheese commercial you know when the coach gets to the pieces of cheese all fired up. I, I yes. was getting that fired up. Yes. He was getting me ready to turn a table over. Could it be Oklahoma State? All right. It looks like it's – to me, it looks – well, it's – you have TCU at 7-0 and and then Kansas State at 5-2 and and Oklahoma State at 4-3. and Okay. So, you might be right. Maybe it is Kansas State. Whatever it – whoever it is, it's not anybody that great. Kansas, Kansas State State's played well. 15. Exactly. Oklahoma State's 22. TCU's four. So, I don't know. Kansas that looks to me like yes. they different. Uh, that looks to me like they have different divisions. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I, I feel bad that I don't know if they have divisions. That's just how much I pay attention to them. Right, exactly. They're like the ACC. They, they can't do divisions, so they just take the top two teams, which is what they should do in the Big Ten because the other side is just trash. Absolute uh, trash. Are you all going to uh, Kentucky? Anybody going to Kentucky? That is a negative. No, I'm not going to get it, Greg. I mean, D-Dub, I thought you would You'd be going. My <laughs> Remember the last time I, I think know. you were there? You were there with me like 15 years ago? Well, I was there with you. We had a fantastic time. Well, we got, we, got <laughs> thrown at, we got cut off at five different bars. Over there. <laughs> yes, we did. And we didn't yes, even we do did. anything wrong. I don't know what was going on. But we got cut off. It was a two drink. It was a two minimum. Every bar we went was a two drink yeah. minimum. So we had to, we basically bounce from bar to bar to bar to bar. They throw us out. We drink two drinks <laughs> in 18 minutes. They throw us out. We ended up on a city bus. We got on a city Lexington bus that drove us to the stadium from a bar. We got on the equivalent of MARTA 
<laughs> After we got hurled out of 18 bars. <laughs> I got in trouble for buying a bum at the asleep on the bar. I bought him a drink and I got thrown out for doing that. I was like, hey, let me get a shot of five poor guy drink. That's exactly right. <laughs> anyway. Okay, but, I saw the I saw the mystery. The Big Twelve is like um the ACC, they're so bad that they just do one big division. Right now, it looks like it's going to be, if it was today, it'd be Kansas State. Okay. Who's well, they can beat TCU. I, I kind of want TCU just to win. Yeah. I, they're kind of like they're kind of like Michigan last year. We have to, had to hear about how great they are, and then we just, mm-hmm. you know, showed them that they're actually not so great at all. Exactly. I would feel good about taking on TCU at the Chick-fil-A Bowl. That would be fun. No doubt. Hey, Mad Dog, who, uh, you, did you bring up uh, the mailman at all for Heisman? You know I did. Well, you just, I, you I, haven't, I saw this last little bit. Oh, yeah. You, 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 you haven't heard it yet. There, I'm going to go into that in great detail. Okay. I love it. Trust me. Nice stat line last week. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yet another game where he threw for a touchdown and ran for a touchdown. The fifth time he's done it. And a fluke interception. A complete play by that guy. Well, and arguably both of them were because his arm got hit on the other one. Yes. That's right. All right, guys. Once again, I have enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank you, Mad Dog. You're straight. Thank you, Mad Dog. Go dogs. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for joining us and go dogs. We are thrilled to have with us Hamilton Culpepper from the University of Georgia and a writer with Bulldog Illustrated. How you doing, Hammy? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Man, so glad this worked out and uh, after some technical difficulties. And so, man, I, I first was uh i guess introduced to you by way of bulldog illustrated i don't know what was when did you start writing with them about 10 years ago yes sir yeah i was in some i went to uh like a kind of family friends dinner um with of my parents and vance and sheree levy who own the the, the magazine bulldog illustrated and then we knew who they were but um i'm a little seventh grader we eat dinner and i rattled off a few stuff and Vance was like, hey, you want to write an article for me? And um, I don't think he knew it because I just kept sending him articles every week. And he kept putting them in the magazine. So, But, yeah, I don't know if he knew what he was getting into at first. Well, well, I think what he was getting into was a great thing because, you know, I'm reading these articles and I'm like, man, this is this is written by a kid. But these are really good. Like, if, if I didn't know you know, that you were in the seventh grade, I would just think, okay, I'm just reading Hamilton Culpepper's article. And it was just totally legit. And so, you know, here we are now, fast forward, you're a junior at Georgia, yes, sir. getting a journalism degree, going to have just the most incredible resume anybody coming out of that school probably has ever had. So um, tell me about your, your dream job once you get out. Um, so the dream job, you know, I'm, as a journalism media program, and that's uh, it's like a 
certificate program and you just have to take 15 hours of class really hands-on and um basically what i what i've really enjoy, enjoyed doing through those stories and all that stuff but the dream job is kind of a combination um of a few i want to be like a reese davis or chris fowler calling games but, but i also want to tom rinaldi making video stories but i also want to be like you know the host of a show Davis and Chris Fowler did for game day. Man, you I love it. You're dreaming big. And I, you know, your your broadcast idea piques my interest since we have a super secret project that we're working on that we can't talk about. Um, but <laughs> yes, you, you also told me a cool story about uh meeting Maria Taylor. Yes. Uh so this was probably the greatest day of my life. Um so Earlier in the week, I'd interviewed Maria Taylor. It was published in Bulldog Illustrated for that game. I can't remember what game it was for. Um, and then Vance and Cherie uh, um, invited me the night it came out, um, or yeah, the day to go to the Athens Touchdown Club. Um, and that, that night, the guest speaker was Aaron Murray. Um, after one of the co coolest articles I've ever written with Maria Taylor had just come out, I get to and um, we kind of link up at the touchdown club and we're talking whatever. And I'm like, hey, so we exchange phone numbers. Um, I get an interview with him. And while I'm talk talking ball and from Maria Taylor and I was like, um, this to you because you're one of the coolest people I've ever talked to. But I really have to take this phone call. So I went <laughs> to Athens Country Club. And answered it, and Maria was like, "Hey, um, I'm gonna be in, uh, doing a special on Roquan Smith tomorrow. Would you like to tag along with me and be my shadow for the day?" So the next morning, I wake up, I go to the Buttsmere facility, and I followed her around all day. I got to meet Roquan Smith and and J.R. Reed and Trenton, and I was literally on the other side of the camera from Maria Taylor. And, and all these 24 hours I think I've ever been a part of. That is incredible. I mean, <laughs> Maria Taylor, Aaron Murray, Roquan, J.R. Reed, all in 24 hours, and, and now you've got them on speed dial. I mean, do you ever, like, <laughs> you know, shoot Maria a text and say, hey, did you catch the Georgia game? <laughs> See what, did she text back? Yeah. Uh, I, I still do. Have Marie Taylor's phone number, and I, I try to keep my distance to give her, you know, one of the hardest work, working women in sports right now. Um, and so I, I always want to keep, you know, you know, like using resources, and she's one of the best ones in the business right now. Um, so, you know, I happy birthday. Um, but one time she did like the hype video, um, the kind of the intro video on the jump stadium, and uh, and I like. Like obviously it was in the stadium and I'm I'm watching her and I'm like, Hey, great great job on the hype video, like you did good and she still texts back. So I uh it might take her a little longer now because she's so busy, but she does text back, so it the back pocket. Man, that is so cool. I mean she's like rock star status when it comes to, you know, to sports, to football, rock star status in the Bulldog Nation, you know, to sport. Uh, Letterman, uh, volleyball and basketball, man, that is uh, 
that's so cool and 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 so hype videos man that's kind of a a, uh, a side hustle you have tell us about those <laughs> yes sir so uh it's just a little you know selfie video um it kind of started my freshman year of college i i came in and um everybody kind of just knew me as this kid from athens who's, and so uh football season rolls around and i started sending videos to uh um kind of just talking about the game i guess hyping it up and uh it's just a lot more to get the dog people feeling right but it's kind of turned into a little a little something i see somebody um like in my contacts and then i posted on the uh, we are bulldogs Instagram page and uh it's it's kind of really blown up on there um my friends are pretty annoyed with it because they wake up to 68 notifications from, from me but uh people enjoy it i think so i need to go on instagram and go to we are bulldogs bulldogs spelled d-a-w-g-s yeah of course of course the only way to spell it and so you know on yeah. saturday mornings your hype video drops or when do they drop yes saturday mornings um i go to undisclosed undisclosed location and and uh and film it um um and uh you know any anywhere from like 8 a.m to 10 a.m in that range some georgia florida when we had to take a bus from st simon's to jacksonville is like 5 a.m so it's just but it count on it so you put it together that fast you do it in just that little time window you put it together you film it you put the music on it boom you put it out yes sir i mean it's it's nothing special i mean it's just to sell my face um um, so it's, it's, it's no, not really too much editing or anything, but, um, you know, within the span of 20 minutes. So it's pretty cool. If you say it's nothing special, but for somebody my age with technology, I, it's a marvel, you know, it's an amazing feat to pull something like that off. So you're, you're, are you going to every game? Sure. I'm not going to the, I haven't been into any away games in Oregon and Florida, Kentucky. Um, and unfortunately, I'm not making the travels, but I wish I was. So you, there won't be a hype video for Kentucky? Oh, oh no, there will be. I'll just, okay. It'll just be from Athens. Okay. Okay, gotcha. Yes, All right. Yeah. I got I to gotta do whatever it is I got to do to be – we are Bulldogs. I, I don't even know how you do that on Instagram. I have to get one of my kids – I have to get Law to show me. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. All right. So I want to know, Hammies, not for now, who are the final four that get in? I'm superstitious, very superstitious. Um, but I think the dog right now, um, and whether or not, not we drop the game in Tech or LSU, if we go in there with one loss, um and, and um and I think we are a lock. I think oh they beat Michigan and um Michigan that puts them out. Ohio State goes to the Big Ten champion on the other side. And then and I honestly think um again um unless unless LSU wins out and beats us then it'll be LSU um, then I think Tennessee sneaks in, and I think, 
think TCU. Like I want, I want a I, I, team. I would love to play them. I think it would be a really cool game. I think they win out in the Big Twelve and and they make it. So. All right. Let, let me throw a scenario at you. Okay. All right. Your everything you've said happens. Georgia wins out, or Georgia's in. Ohio State's in because they beat Michigan. TCU runs the table, but then USC runs the table. And so your committee is looking at one lost Pac-12 champion, TC, I mean, USC versus undefeated Big 12 champion, TCU. Who do they, I mean, uh, I mean, they're looking at uh, USC, one lost Pac-12 champion versus one lost Tennessee who didn't go to any championship. Who do they pick? I think I, I would pick Tennessee. I'd don't know the dynamic of what the of who the people are in the in the but you know based on what they've said about USC so far and how high they've put them loss and maybe the lesser competition in the Pac-12 I think then probably I do so they I think they would get the nod um, um which is again but realistically in my opinion I think it it should be Tennessee. I think their iron on all cylinders it is the scariest thing in college football right now. So, so what you're saying is, is if they're trying to pick the best team, they would pick Tennessee. If they're trying to maybe say we want the most deserving team because they won the Pac-12, that they go with USC. Correct. And every commit, every committee's different. We don't really know what they're going to do in that room, which is the ridiculous thing about college football right now is <laughs> yeah. 13 people in a room somewhere are the ones deciding everybody's fate, but uh, it'll be interesting. It will be. I'm, I'm excited. That, you know, there's, and there's crazy, you know, that, that shake it up. Oregon losing, um, you know, took the, uh, but having that one loss back to all champion, it, it's just whether how much, much and how much they respect USC's, you know, um, wins against you know common opponents. It's going to be very, very interesting when it comes down to um, championship Saturday and rankings are released. All right, all right. I've been running a, a doomsday scenario by people, so so hang with me. Okay. Georgia, Georgia wins out. We're in. That's great. Ohio State beats Michigan badly. TCU loses. Um, USC loses. We're beating LSU, so they're out. Clemson loses to North Carolina. You know who's sitting there? Alabama. And if you look at the odds, if you look at the odds of what Vegas thinks their odds are, their odds are better than people in front of them. So at that point, are they going to put in a two-loss Bama and, and by the way, Tennessee's already in in this scenario. So they're going to put a yeah, two loss right. Bama. Are they going to put a two loss Bama in for the fourth spot? No. I think, to be honest, I think they go with UNC as the ACC champion. I think Bama, I mean, the Bama factor is still so real and gives them a pat on the back whenever they run in a yard. So, um, it's very real, but I think for them to put three, three SEC teams in, two loss, uh, um, 
two of them obviously not even playing in the conference championship. Six of that would ruin the committee. It would send them this country into a frenzy if that were to happen. <laughs> uh, um, so I, I genuinely saw something on Twitter that, like, like, you know, the percentage of each team to make it, and we're at Ohio State's at like, like 87 or something. And UNC is at like 17, which is insane to me. I mean, they have to win out and they have to beat Clemson. Um, I don't know. I mean, more, the more I'm thinking about it, it's just it's rattling my brain uh, with UNC just because of the politics of putting three SEC teams in. Right, right. I know. And, and for the record, I'm not – I would invite the opportunity to play uh, a – a four seed Alabama in the bins to exercise those demons, you know, and, and be the one to, you know, put the dagger through the chest of that vampire that is Alabama uh, once and for all, hopefully, and be the one who gives them their third loss. But man, I'm just telling, I feel like it's about to get crazy. I think this, this has the recipe for probably the craziest football college football season we've ever seen and and uh i love that they expanded the playoff but taking you know where every game matters i'm not a huge fan of that um so i kind of wish it just expanded to another argument you wish it had expanded to what six teams six yeah so so i mean but but you know can't always get what you want and i didn't call football because it's the greatest sport on the face of the earth and it was from the face of the earth and now it's it's gotten better so well here's the other end of the spectrum here's what i'd like to see are you ready all right so when we expand mm-hmm. the sec each side each division in the sec plays their seven teams there seven games right those two those two champions of each division play each other for the championship of the SEC on the eighth game. Then, and they do that with all the divisions, then they seed 128 teams, okay? (laughs) Okay. All right. Week one is 128. 264, 32, 16, 8, 4, 2. So you've added seven games on top of those eight, so 15 games for the champion. Right. And now what you've done is you've satisfied the SEC and all these conferences. You play. You might not have your crossover anymore in this situation, and I don't care. I want to have the biggest playoff <laughs> ever. Yeah. So, and in, in that scenario, every game still counts, right? If you yeah. don't win the, your side of the SEC, you're you're going to be a much lower seed. Now, within yeah. that, obviously, you can't have number one playing number 128. There'd have to be, you know, a pod system of some sort. But it's doable. Right. It's very doable. I know doable. it'll never happen, but it is very doable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, like I said, it, it it literally is. College football is the greatest regular season. It's the greatest sport on the The BCS system was just terrible. The playoff has made it better, but the per- postseasons in sports i mean the nfl playoffs are exciting the mlb playoffs you got to- basketball has the greatest right now and it's not even close college baseball is great too 
So extra component, I mean, college football will take off to the moon and never come back. So, so what do you do in the off season? You just take a break? Are you working on other projects? And that's, that's, that's pretty much, um, I mean, it's school and, uh, journalists, um, it, it brings a lot. It's a lot of hands-on work. So, uh, I still run an account and, um, you know, we cover, uh, the other sport like that. Um, not as, not as heavily, but, um, we definitely do. And, and there's, there's always projects to be done. Speaking of projects, have you figured out a solution for our secret project? I haven't found a component that will make us big and famous. That that's the that's the kicker. But I this is another conversation to be had. Okay. I've got I've got I've got <laughs> ideas that I'm gonna run by. Okay. That we will okay. discuss offline that the world is not ready for yet. Yes. They don't, they don't know what's coming. They don't know what's coming. <laughs> Hammy, man, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. This was great. great. Yes, sir. We'll do it again. Go dogs. So, the rankings are out, as you know, and spoiler alert, we're number one again. Now, the rest are as follows. Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee. Then I got to start looking. USC, LSU, Alabama is still out there lurking. They're lurking. Clemson and Utah. They're, who are we? Who's missing? We left. Somebody's left out. Who? Who? Are we, who is? It, who could it be? Oh, I know. It's Oregon. It's the Ducks. Bo Nix said if they played us again, that they would beat us. Even though when we played them, we beat them by forty-six points. So. Bo Nix, it looks like you're not going to get the chance to lose to us again. I guess four tries was enough, so you can shut the duck up. And that's right. It's never going to get old, me saying that. Now, I will admit that I was wrong about something. I was wrong last week when I said that Arkansas was going to beat LSU. But in my defense, I didn't realize that Arkansas was going to be playing a third-string quarterback, and it was so close to Arkansas winning. And if you remember Latavius Brini, who used to play for Georgia, played the star last year, transferred to Arkansas. He had two turnovers, but the first one was a pick. And, I mean, he had nothing between him and the end zone except for LSU's quarterback. If that guy doesn't make that tackle, Arkansas wins, and who knows what happens. But it was, it was rat poison for Alabama. It was a reverse jinx on Alabama. So now they're done. I think, I, I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it. But for now, let's bring on Brian Kelly in LSU. And if you listened last year, you know how much I detest Notre Dame. And he used to coach there. So I'll kick things off with this. Brian Kelly is the most arrogant the most condescending, the smuggest narcissist that LSU could have hired. I loathe him, and I want our dogs to destroy LSU and in the process, destroy him. Now, what could be the most ironic addition to the barbaric Cajuns of Louisiana? 
You guessed it, a Yankee. A Yankee Cajun is the definition of an oxymoron, and I have not even begun to mock you, Brian Kelly. Hell's coming to breakfast, and Mad Dog's bringing the biscuits. So there's your teaser, just the tip, just to see if it feels good. Later, Mad Dogs. Go dogs, and give them hell, Sequavius. To the food. Bam, boom.